0: or a loving word or a dismissive word you don't know how it's gonna be amen I mean many times people have come to me with a text and say how do you read this because if you're predisposed to how someone is feeling or how they act all the time you might consider that that's being negative or it's being mean and what they were saying was really nice the power of words is absolutely amazing so there's two ways we relate to them. We hear them, and then, of course, what I just talked about, we speak them. And uh, how many of you have, you know, I say it all the time, you know, when we say the prayer of salvation, we speak words. And how many words have you wanted to take back? I can think of so many times, like, in my house, you know, and my wife does something or says something, and I don't agree with it, and I say something back, like say I'm in the living room, you know, watching The NBA playoffs, a rare thing for me. And um, I say something, and it's leaving the living room. It's about to round the corner into the kitchen. (laughs) I'm like, oh, my God, if I could just get that back. Because I know I have just released something extremely powerful that is going to release some extremely negative power against me. So there's two ways we relate to words, how we take them in and how we release them out. And they are very important. 2 Corinthians 4.13 says that we have a spirit of faith. According to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. Therefore we believe and we also speak. See, the whole act of faith is what I just talked about. It is What you hear and take in and believe and what you do with that when you release it out. Faith has been said and it's true. It's believing and speaking. Romans 10.10 says, and this is the right after the prayer we do after every service to make sure that everyone here has given, put their faith and trust in Jesus. Romans 10.10 says, it says something, but it's not up there, so I'm going to have to get this. Oh, okay, there we go. For the, with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So with your heart you hear, you believe unto righteousness, and then you make confession unto salvation. That is what saving faith is. Saving faith is hearing the good news that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and then believing that in our heart and then praying to receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. That's our act of faith. That's what we do on Sundays after the service. See, because when you believe what you hear, it will change what you say and what you do. Now, my wife and I were in ShopRite the other day. I like to go to ShopRite. How many of you like to go to ShopRite? I, 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 in my old age, I like going sh- grocery shopping. It's really scary, <laughs> Pastor Kev. I used to hate this. I don't know what's happening. But I like going down aisles with a little shopping cart. Hey, everybody, you know. And then I always pray for the food woman in ShopRite. If you ever see her, her name is Chris. Just say, Pastor Joe sent me. I'm here to pray for you. Every time I get near the counter in, in ShopRite, she just goes like this. She sticks her arms out and goes like this. Do your thing, Pastor Joe. So I take her smelly, fishy hand, and I pray <laughs> for her. Um, but I like to be in ShopRite. We're in ShopRite together. It's kind of like date night. You know, you go ShopRite shopping with your wife. And it is not like that. <laughs> it's not like that. <laughs> we put our hands together and grab the bean can. <gasps> oh, isn't this nice? So anyway, we're <laughs> and we're going. We're getting some waters. And then she goes, you want some Gatorade? And I'm like. Why would I get Gatorade? That's all sugar. And we kept going, and I thought to myself, wait a second. I play basketball. I love to drink Gatorade after basketball all the time. What has happened to me? Why don't I want Gatorade anymore? And I remembered it's because of what you said to me, honey. She said maybe, you know, and she's very health conscious, my wife, you know, and she's very, you know, she's very much into it. trying to eat healthy all the time. She just is. That's just the way she is. And she goes, Gatorade's all sugar. It's all sugar. I remember I was going out to play basketball and had all these Gatorades in my fridge, and I'm taking one, and she goes, you know, that's all sugar, you know. So when we were in ShopRite and she said, do you want Gatorade? I thought to myself, that's like swallowing a jar of sugar. I don't want a Gatorade. And I realized it was the word that she spoke, and I believed it and affected what I said And it affected my actions. See, it it is amazing how powerful words are. One word could change a young woman's life. If someone tells a young girl that she's ugly. No matter how pretty she is. She'll go through just, and and, you know, I don't feel like, you know, I, I feel ugly. I know, you know, we have women praying over, uh, women here, and my wife will say, can you believe that young girl that I prayed over? She felt like she was ugly. And we're like, first of all, she's not ugly, number one. Number two, nobody's ugly in God's sight. But to think that she thought, because somebody put that word into her heart and she believed it, and it has changed her life. Let me ask you a question. What words are the power and the energy of your life? What words are the ones that you believe, that you speak, that you act on? There's two kinds of words. There's words of death and there's words of life. There's words of the enemy and then there's the word of God. And that truth will set you free, and that word will never pass away. Jesus said the heavens and the earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. So, I don't know about you, but I want the power of the word that never passes away in my life. There are just words, and then there's God's word. There are idle, dead words, and then there's God's living word. Hebrews 4.12 says this. For the word of God is living and it is powerful. Say it's living and it's powerful. You don't need dead words in your life. Because dead words bring death. But God's Word is alive, and it is powerful. Unfortunately, like I said, there's another narrative at work. We were at the, uh, well, I'm not going to say where we were. We were praying over a young man recently, and he came up for prayer. My wife and I were praying over him, and we said, what is it that we could pray for you? What is it? And he said, I have fear, like I live Fear. Fear, I'm, I'm afraid of this, I'm afraid of that, I'm afraid of this. I just live in fear. And then he told us why. He said, I hear voices. Now, you know, when you first hear that, you might be like, oh, I hear voices. You know, I have an imaginary friend. Listen to me. You hear voices all the time. There is a negative narrative Out there. How many of you know that? And when he said that, I knew right away what to pray. Isaiah 54 17. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. No weapon fashioned against you, some translations say. The enemy has a narrative. That he uses against you. You know what the devil's job is? To wake up every day and try to torment you. Try to trick you. Try to deceive you. And how does he do it? With words. He does it with words. He does it with words that you hear, which can become thoughts. Which when you start to believe, you will start to speak. And then you will start to act on them. And before you know it, you're living his way instead of his way. I can tell you for years, I heard, even after being a Christian, you know, you're not going to make it. You got six kids, you're never going to be able to catch up financially. And, and for many men, this is a big burden for us people, you know. <laughs> you know, when, when Adam and Eve messed up, you know what the curse for men was? That, man was that he would have to work hard by the sweat of his brow, Because as men, we want to bring home the bacon so you can cook it up in a pan. You know what I'm saying? We want to go out there and bring in what our family needs. We want to go out there and provide. Every man wants to do that. Even if you're a Mr. Mom right now, somewhere deep in your heart, that's really what you want to do. Amen? But sometimes circumstances call for something different. But I'm telling you, deep in your heart, that's how you were created So we prayed for this young man and said, no weapon, fashioned, no narrative planned against you shall prosper. See, it's a formed narrative. The devil just doesn't throw stuff against the wall. He knows you. He watches you. And he says, let me go at the weakness. And when it came to me, the devil knew that I didn't grow up with a dad. So I was looking for approval. I was looking for somebody to tell me, you're good enough. You can do it. And my thought was, I can't. I'm not good enough. I'm a high school dropout. I'm an ex-drug dealer. I can't do it. This is never going to work. I'm not going to make it. And then the thoughts of suicide would come back to me. The thoughts of just escape out of this because you're never going to overcome. That was the weapon he formed against me. He knew that when I was younger that my mom had tried to get me to commit suicide with her numerous times. So he kept putting that thought into my head, putting that thought into my head, putting that thought in my head, you're not good enough, you'll never be, your father doesn't love you, blah, blah, blah. And that became a narrative. Something that played over and over in my head. It was like a book whose pages I would read every day. So we prayed over this young man and said, no narrative, no words formed against you shall prosper. See, here, here, see this word prosper here, this is why I tell you that when people start talking about preachers that are prosperity teachers and blah, 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 prosperity means making advancement in every area of your life. That's what the word prosperity means. It means physically. Financially, spiritually, emotionally, socially, in your ministry, in every area of your life. So we prayed for this young man. We said, no weapon formed against you shall what? Prosper, shall advance, shall shall take more land in your life. Because these voices was was bringing this, him to such fear. You know, people get so fearful that they wouldn't even leave their room. Fear was in him and on him. And every tongue, see there's the weapon, you see it? That rises up against you. You shall condemn. You. I prayed over him. You shall condemn it. Because I don't hear the voice. I don't hear the voice. You shall condemn. This is is your inheritance as a servant of the Lord. And we think of 2 Corinthians 10, 5, which says every, every vain imagination, every narrative, every evil thought that rises up in here, and in here, you shall cast it down. Cast down every negative, satanic narrative that's being spoken about you. You will cast it down That word condemn there means more than making an opinion of it. It literally means to vex, to crush, to smash, to beat. Hey, I'm not mad, by the way. (laughs) But if you want to get mad, you want to channel your anger to a good place, do it to the negative thoughts that come up in your life, to the evil narrative that's been written about you. Get mad at that! Get me a ball bat right now. <laughs> mm, mm. You got to beat it down. That's right. You literally have to beat it down. Right. When he brings that thought or that narrative into your life, say, "No, sucker, Ooh, I, did I curse?" I get mad, I do. I really do get, I get mad at the devil. I, 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 he angers me because he's annoying. Unfortunately, he never leaves. But one day, the God of peace will soon crush him underneath our feet. Why is he called the God of peace there? Because he's trying to steal our peace with that narrative, with that negative narrative. Our heritage is this, that we can cast down those thoughts. We can condemn them. We can beat them down with a wiffle ball bat. I'm getting a wiffle ball bat for the second service because I'm beating it down. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. How? How? By, by a narrative of negativity in your life. But that's not our inheritance. Our inheritance is the Word of God that never passes away. Everything else is going but that. So why not get on board? Get on the Word train. I was just going to start singing a song from the 70s, but we must move on. Condemn that word, declare it guilty, beat it down, crush it. Believe what God says and speak that. What you believe in your heart about what you hear will decide what you say and what you do and who you become. Let me say that again. What you believe in your heart about what you hear will decide what you say and what you do and who you become. Let's... Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. I'm telling you, what you hear, and what you believe, and what you speak will create an atmosphere in which you live and it will decide what you do. 2 Timothy 3. Hallelujah. (laughs) There we go. All Scripture... Everybody have some scripture here, right here? (laughs) All scripture is God-breathed. Now, some of your translations say all scripture is God-inspired. But this word is a Greek word, theo, and then the word pneuma, the base word, or neo, which is where we get the word spirit from, which is where we get the word breath from. So the really right translation is in NIV, which is all Scripture is God-breathed. God-breathed. And it's profitable for doctrine, for proof for correction, instruction, righteousness, that the man of God, that we, those of us who serve God, would be thoroughly equipped to do God's work. (laughs) All Scripture. This is God's breath. Is God's breath. The Bible. God's word. Jesus said, my words are breath. And they are life. (laughs) And these words give us the life more abundant. When you think about Adam in the garden, right? God formed the dust into a man. And it says he, he breathed his spirit into him. He, he, he breathed a positive narrative into his life. Then he said, be fruitful and multiply. Subdue the earth. It's all yours. He breathed. And you know, when you're born again, Jesus said that those that become born again, your spirit is born again. It's by his breath, by the wind. It blows into your life. And that positive narrative, is brought back in. You're born again to be the way Adam was. How God intended it to be. And that's why when that breath comes into some, it's a familiar breath. Because somewhere deep down inside, that spark of God is awakened. And they are born again. And you're born again, what? To a new life. And what kind of life? A life more Abundant The enemy comes to steal and kill and destroy with his, na- his narrative, but God's narrative is here to give you life and that more abundance. Oh man, if we could just hear that, believe that, speak that and act that, our lives will be totally changed. What narrative are you living? Psalm 33.6 says the Lord merely spoke and the heavens were created. He breathed and there were stars. That breath is in us. Oh my gosh. That's power. That breath is in us. That breath. You know, God's word I say they this is a Pastor Joeism, okay? So if you can write that on Facebook. <laughs> Some people will go, Pastor Joe said this, and I'm like, no, Jesus said that, but that's okay. They write on Facebook the right. Like, Pastor Joe said, and I'm like, that's a scripture. But Pastor Joe did say it. He was, you know. But this is what I say. His words spoken through us are atmospheric. <laughs> they are atmospheric. They change the atmosphere. Whew. Did you ever change the atmosphere of your marriage by saying something negative? I'm, I'm looking at her like she knows I have. You know, sometimes maybe I thought if I was just mute, I'd have a great marriage. I thought about that. If I couldn't say anything, I mean, I, I'm sure we'd have less fights. <laughs> I am totally sure of it. I'm positive. <laughs> Then again, I'd have to be deaf, too, because if she told me to do something and I didn't do it, then I'd be, it's like, I'm sure we'd have a great marriage. But then she'd use sign language. Mm, 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 mm. Okay. <laughs> I'd have to be blind. Forget it. All right? We're going to do it this way. But they are atmospheric. And how do I know? It was December of 2005. It was a Friday night. And uh, my wife and I, I don't know what we were doing, if we were, you know, studying the Bible or praying together, having a really, you know, revival meeting. Actually, I, I don't know what it was we were doing. But um, it was about 10 o'clock and the whole day I, I was, i was, uh, you know, commuting at that time on the Suburban, taking the bus into the city back. You know what? When you commute to New York and it's like three, four hours a day you realize, boy, just your whole life it's just like commuting. Anyway, so I I was on the bus and, uh, that day, and I felt this pain in my left arm right up here. I'm like, what is that? Like, I never, I mean, now I got pains everywhere, and I just don't <laughs> even try to figure out what they are. This was a long time ago. <laughs> okay. This was just 10 years ago, and this pain, and, and I'm like, what is that? It's bothering me, you know? So anyway, I just, whatever, and we were, it was about 10 o'clock. I guess we were laying in bed. I don't know. We might have been watching TV or something. I said, all day this pains and bothering me. And the next thing you know, I I just felt like, okay, now there's there's a new thing happening. <laughs> it's more than the pain here. I felt like the room was sort of closing in. Did you ever feel that? Like like you're you're, Amen. I'm glad you didn't. Uh, you're like in a dream state almost, and 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 your vision is getting a little more narrow. And 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 then I'm like, and I'm starting not to be able to breathe. And I go, honey. <laughs> Something, I think something's wrong. She's like, hey, oh, you're fine. Just <laughs> healed in the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. <laughs> My wife, she's great, man. Nothing but, like, I could be on the floor like this. She'd be like, snap out of it, Joe. <laughs> you know what I mean? She's, <laughs> I remember once I got a kidney stone. Everybody here get a kidney stone? That is the most painful thing on earth. It's worse than having a baby. How can I say that? I don't know because I don't know what it's like to have a baby. But I know it's bad. I had a kidney stone once and I literally, I was on my way to the shower and I collapsed on the floor. And at that time I was working with Pastor John and Pastor John called my house and said, Hey, uh, you know, I wasn't Pastor Joe then, he wasn't Pastor John. Anyway, he called up and he said, Hey, uh, Joe's a little late. What's he doing? And Alicia's like, Oh, he's feeling yucky right now. I'm like, cool, (laughs) 9119119. Oh, he's just feeling a little yucky. Anyway, getting back to the story. (laughs) Then the next thing you know, there was a pillow on my face, but that's a whole nother. Just kidding. I love you. Those aren't negative words, those are fun words. All right. No, wait a minute. Those are ideas. Stop right now. But so here I am, and and I'm like, you got to call 911. So she knew I was serious. She called the ambulance. They came. I'm on the gurney. I see all my kids, my six little kids looking at me. It was like my life is flashing before me. I'm I'm just like, is this it? This is how I'm going to (laughs) go? We just started the church. (laughs) Lord. So they gave me that nitroglycerin stuff or whatever it's called. I don't know. It feels like Anybody here know what I'm talking about? It opens the blood, you know. All of a sudden, I'm like, (laughs) So I'm like, I'm in the ambulance bouncing and get to the hospital. Alicia gets there. They put me on something. They keep me. And then, the more, then after a couple hours, you know, you know, heart attack. Hello? Can you get me into a bed? <laughs> so they get me into a bed. And uh, it's not looking good. But that was a Friday night. By Saturday afternoon, they start saying, well, we're not sure. You know, we might release you. Uh, they're still doing tests. But, you know, and, and everybody's coming and everybody's Hey, Pastor Joe, everything, you know, know, everything's going to be fine, everything. And all of a sudden, it's like 6 o'clock. I'm supposed to get released at about 7. So everybody left. I just had my bag. I'm ready to go home. At 7 o'clock, the cardiologist walks into the room with his thing, and he goes, you're not going anywhere. You had, I don't know if he said massive or major heart attack. I'm like, oh, boy. Because I thought I did. You know, so it was just like, oh, you know, my hopes were up. And now all of a sudden, uh, the, the air in the room was just sucked out. We was just sucked out. And then they moved me, you know, moving on up to the. (laughs) They moved me to that room where they stick 700 needles in you and everybody's dying. And I'm like, oh, my God. My atmosphere was totally changed. So it's about 6 o'clock that night. It's the night before. It's Saturday night before service. And uh, the next day is service. You know, obviously I'm not going to be there. I've had a major heart attack. The cardiologist said it. I don't want to believe it, but it's true. And This African guy from our church, Soans, comes to visit me out of nowhere. You know, I'm a little dazed, you know, because the nurse took 17 times to get my blood. Oh, my gosh. Could you just find it? Give me that needle. Anyway, so I'm, I'm just in this negative place, and, and Soans walks into the room, and he goes, he surveys everything, and he goes, the devil is a liar. <laughs> he was from Sierra Leone, so that's my best, you know. Anybody here from Sierra Leone? Later, you can. Oh, there we go. He goes, the devil is a liar. Now, that I understood. Then he said a whole bunch of other stuff I didn't understand. But I knew it was good. And then he kept saying this one thing, and I finally, he was saying, this is not your potion, Pastor. I was thinking, "This is not my potion." And was just, he's going, "Pastor, this is not your potion. This is not your potion." I go, "I know. I don't want any more potion. I just So I want to be." He goes, "The devil is a liar. This is not your potion." And he just puts his hand on my head and starts praying for. He's praying for me so hard, my head's like, "I'm like, I need another doctor." He says, "He's praying for me," but I want to tell you. The whole atmosphere in the room changed. That's right. That's right. My spirit just rose up in me. And every doctor that came in, I was just whistling. I was happy. I was like, I'm healed. This is not my potion. <laughs> and they were coming in saying, you know, this and that. And I said, you're a liar. You're a liar. You're a liar. I didn't say it to them. You're a liar. The devil is a liar. No narrative form. No weapon form. To get. You know, because he loved that scripture. And so here we go. It's the next. Now at 2 in the morning, 3 in the morning, I barely slept because they were testing me. They kept testing me. They kept probing me. I felt like a little guinea pig up there. Oh, God, I'm sticking another thing way out. Not there. You know? That's what they do. They probe you. Like one person comes in and probes you, and then they got to get another group. And they're like, oh, white coats are like kids. It's like, oh, we're just going to have fun with this guy. Let's probe him. like, who are you? Go back to your science class. So the next morning, it's like 10 o'clock, and this nurse comes in, and she has to do, and she's the one that's been missing all weekend. And before she does that, I just looked at her. I go, can I pray for you before you do this? <laughs> you know, did you ever have that when they, you know what I'm talking about? I'm like, I, 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 you know, when I leave, you're thinking, I think I'm a heroin addict. I got tracks here. So I pray for her, and then the next thing you know, she just puts her hand. Head on my shoulder and start sobbing. And then she gets back up to start probing me. She misses, she misses. <laughs> I'm like, and I felt so bad, like a normal person would have said, Get another nurse in here. But I was ministering to her. And why I was ministering to her, the sonogram of my heart was on the screen. Did you ever see a sonogram of your own heart? Oh my God, that'll make you wake up. It's going boom, boom, boom. And you're like, Is that the right boom? Boom, boom, boom. And I talked to, I, I guess it was my wife, about 10, 20, 10, 25. And right before the service, she was going to preach here at Grace Church. And I said, honey, and she said, we're going to all be praying for you. And I felt so good. And at the same time, this woman's crying on my arm. I got blood splurting out everywhere. At 10, 25, I, I, I will never forget this. The cardiologist comes into the room. Because that day, they were going to, you know, they were going to open me up see what's going on or whatever they do, probe you, yeah, I don't know, stick something in your leg that goes all, you know, robots and stuff. <laughs> he comes in and he goes, he's shaking his head, and I said, boom, I know it right now. Something's changed. Something's changed. Even though the last test at 4 in the morning they said, but something happened. They tested me again and something. He was like, I'm, he goes, I'm not sure. That was all I needed to hear. That was all I needed to hear. I was like, the devil is a liar. I'm gonna heal. I am walking out of here. I know it. And I knew it because at 10:30, when church started, I just knew. Right now, they're worshiping. Right now, they're thinking about me. I hope. Right now, they're praying for me, I hope, but I knew. And from that moment on, every test came back negative. And by five o'clock, Sunday, by five o'clock. They were call, People that were coming into my room were calling me the miracle man. And I said, I'm not the miracle man. He's the miracle worker. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. I, can I tell you something? I almost forgot about it. This thing that I went through. And, you know, they told me to go back to the cardiologist and everything, and I've never gone back. You know why? Because I know I'm healed. Okay. Ephesians 2.2 about to close here. We're fixing to close. <laughs> We're fixing to take that lock and close everything up. Um, Ephesians 2.2, you used to live like the rest of the world, full of sin, obeying Satan, the mighty prince of the power of the air. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Listen, we used to live by listening to Satan who is the prince of the power of the air. He's the prince. He's one of the rulers of the power of the air. You know what? Where we are not, the atmosphere is negative. It's our job and our calling that when we get into that negative atmosphere, overtake the prince. You know why? Because he may be a prince, but we got the king (laughs) living inside of us. And our words are final. Our words will never pass away. So we get into that. We speak the word of God. We change the atmosphere. Look at it in the message translation. The next one. I like this. Look at this next translation. The Next slide. Hallelujah! You just click it, and it comes up. There you go. It wasn't long ago that you were mired in that old, stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, (laughs) you let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with pollution, polluted unbelief, and then exhaled that garbage. But that's not how we live anymore. We are atmosphere changers. When we come into a room, the negativity flees. We can change the atmosphere, not only for others and around us, but we live in that atmosphere. I want to close with Acts chapter 8. I want you to see something. Acts chapter 8. After Stephen was stoned for preaching the gospel, it says everyone was scattered and they went and they preached the word. What is the word? The word is the gospel. What is the gospel? It's the good news. It's the prosperous news. It's the news that you can be healed, delivered, set free by the power of God. You can live an abundant life. That's what preaching the word is. It's something good. So they went out and they preached something good. And then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and he preached something good to them. And the multitudes heeded what he said and they saw miracles. Because unclean spirits came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Listen to me. We can change the atmosphere in our own lives. We can change the atmosphere in the church's life. We can change the atmosphere in our family's life. We can change the atmosphere in a city. One person changed the atmosphere of a city by speaking God's word. Because that breath is the most powerful thing on earth. I thought about this for a second, like words and speaking is just something we do all the time, but we never even think about how it works or how it happens. So I wanted to think about that and study it just for a minute and see like what, well it starts with your lungs. You breathe in and then you breathe out a wind, a breath. When you talk, you're breathing. That's why when you talk too much, you have to take a breath. Jerry, somebody's talking so much, you're like, could you just take a breath? <laughs> How could you keep talking? <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's a breath, and this wind, it goes through these vocal cords. But do you know that when it gets through the vocal cords, if you could hear the sound of it, it's just a buzz? Did you know that? It's just a buzz. Try talking without moving your mouth, your tongue, your throat, even your nose has part of it you know my little nose uh <laughs> i'm changing the atmosphere my little nose if i close it i sound different right and when you speak your tongue moves your mouth moves your throat moves those are the things those things decide what the sound is that comes out of you okay who controls that we do we decide what's going to come out of our mouths. I encourage you today to let God's word come out of your mouth because those words will never pass away. They're healing to your bones. They're life to the dead. They're quick they bring things that are dead to life. Right now, let's bow our heads. Close our eyes and pray because some of you here today may not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. When I say that, this is what I mean. If you die tonight, are you 100% sure that you'd spend eternity in heaven? Because if you're not, you need to say this prayer with your mouth. You're in control. Remember, you breathe out, but you say it. And you believe it. And you speak it. And that's faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. It is by grace we are saved, through faith. So by believing and speaking in our faith, we put grace into action, which is our forgiveness for everything we, all the mistakes we made for now and forevermore because of his blood that he shed on the cross for us. So say this to me. Say, Father, I know that Jesus is your son. I know he died on the cross, on the cross, for, cross. My for my sin. That's a positive narrative. Positive. Because of what he did I can, have a new life, I can have a new life, totally forgiven, life. to live the abundant life, life that he breathes into me now. I receive it. I believe it by faith. by faith. In Jesus' name, Jesus name. Amen. amen. Keep your eyes, closed, your head, bowed. If you said that prayer, you want to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, raise your hand right now. Raise your hand to receive Jesus' name. Looking around, amen. Praise God. I pray that everybody here knows Jesus. Now, with your eyes closed, your head bowed. If you heard from God and you know that you need to clean up what's coming out of your mouth, that you need to cast down the negative narrative and start to speak out God's word. Change the atmosphere in your life. Always looking. Just raise your hand right now. I want to pray for you. That you will be able to do that. Come on. Hallelujah. That's right. There you go. Hallelujah. I want to just pray for those people right now. You took the first step. You acknowledged something that you need to do. And right now, we are in agreement here that we cast down, we crush. The narrative that the enemy has fashioned against us, we, we cast it down, we crush it, we beat it down, we lead it into captivity, Jesus, Jesus, that's not what you say about me, and right now we hear the word of God that says, Jesus came that we might have life and that more abundant, and from this day forward, since we control the words that come from our mouth just like salvation which says with the heart you believe in your mouth you make confession right now we believe what God says about us we are who he says we are and we will speak that and believe that and change the atmosphere in our life in the life of our families in the life of our church and in this city, and in this county, and in this country, and in the world. And we receive the power to do that by the Holy Spirit right now. In Jesus' name, amen, and amen, and amen. Now go and change the atmosphere. Go and change the narrative. God bless you all. Right after this, we have Adult Sunday School downstairs. Grab coffee and a bagel, and that Sunday school starts at 10 a.m. Also, our Foundations class, the last class is today at 10 a.m. God bless you. Young people, don't forget, we have junior and senior high youth group here Friday nights. Be blessed, everyone.